Let's talk to Columbus's own Beverly D'Angelo, the Good House in theaters now. I know it's at where I'm at, the my movie theater Pickerington uh, this weekend. Beverly D'Angelo, how are you? Welcome home. It's so glad to talk to Buckeyes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Were you guys around last weekend for the the um, whole commemoration thing that they did for the horseshoe that my grandfather designed? Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. I didn't know your grandfather designed the shoe. Oh, yeah. Howard Dwight Smith, my mother's father. And wow, that's yeah, because your roots run so deep here, and of course, your father Gene was—he yeah. uh, was the the main, uh, you know, the that's, driving force yeah. behind WBNS all those years. It's weird. Tony hasn't put us on TV though recently. Tony, yeah, you got to have a talk with him. <laughs> Tony, come on, he's got to step up there. Yeah. <laughs> Tim lives there now. Tim lives there. Tim was in uh, television too, and he's. Um, Living the good life now. Yeah. Wow. Well, I want to ask you about that because during the pandemic, I read uh, and I we'd had you on the program before, and you've always been so terrific with us. But I read that Columbus Monthly did that article on you, and it had been delayed. I, boy, did you read that? That was a boy. That was a meaty article, and man, that, that was all things Bev D'Angelo, and I had no idea some of your history here. Yeah, and that was only part of it. I'm a blabbermouth, but that was only part of it. I uh, yeah, I, I love that article. I mean, I just, you know, I I left Columbus when I was very young. I've had a really big life, but you know, I don't know what it is. It's like maybe the the longer you live, the clearer you see what your real compass points are. And what I learned from growing up in in Columbus was it's everything. You know, the value system and and yeah. Uh, but who's a good person, who's a bad person, what means something, What what's meaningless. You know, it's all about uh, all about Columbus. Well, and, and when you look at your list of films and your marriage to Pacino, and I mean, you've seen it all. Is it, Do you have a book in you? Are you going to do a book so what, at some point? Because your life is fascinating. Yeah, before the pandemic, I was in the process of mounting a one-woman show that was a series that is a series of monologues you know, stories. Yeah. It's got some songs in it that I wrote and um, some archival footage and some video footage that's kind of like, you know, makes the context. And I was, I was going to go out with that. My plan was, at that point, I was going to start doing like, uh, you know, uh, working on various sections of it uh, in front of friends and family and then, and then take it out and tour and see where it went. But COVID hit, and we couldn't do that. But I always had in the back of my mind that the place to open that is going to be Columbus. Awesome. Oh, awesome. Boy, we'd be all over that. The Good House, the movie you're in, in theaters right now, this is a cast. And in, in, in Beverly, when I do, you know, I, I Google the movie, and then right away all the articles are saying, Sigourney Weaver, Oscar, you start hearing, and this is the time of the year for Oscars. That's right. Yeah, I mean, this this movie, and I don't know if it felt that way when you were filming it, but there's a lot of Oscar buzz for this movie. Yeah, no, I, I, I hope I'm not repeating myself, but, you know, truth and advertise, I'm only in this movie a teeny little bit, but um, I did witness this. I mean, she's one of our greatest actresses, and she turned in an, a, an Oscar caliber performance, that's for sure. So really, the the truth is, I'm speaking to her performance more than mine. I'm just <laughs> a second. But I always want to talk to somebody from Columbus. That's yeah, very, that's very generous. You know what? Wait, let, let's throw this in too. Hold yeah. on. Okay. My friend David Bagat, B A G H A T, 
um, just told me last night, he lives in Columbus, he's, uh, a, a, he's in theater, okay. and he said, I'm getting ready to open a world premiere musical I directed for this company in Columbus. And, and then he said, ask me next week, ha, ha, And he won't tell me what it is. He's so nervous about it. And I said, look, I'll be nervous for you. So I wish I knew the name of it. I could, we could do a little thing right now for him. Well, then you could come back and talk about it. That's right. Yes. I'll have to come back and talk Any about it. Any excuse to have you back on. Hey, uh, we just I'll lost Loretta Lynn. Did you, when you did The Coal Miner's Daughter, what's your background? Did you spend time with her? I did. Um, it was very sad to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I don't, I, it's not just that she's really that cliche of like, you know, they broke the mold, but also because of, of her life story that I just don't think we'll ever see again someone who was born into that poverty in Appalachia, you know, and a family of eight scrapping by on a coal miner's wages, marries at 15, has six kids by the time she's 30, and she makes that tremendous you know, trajectory, uh, uh, path, follows that journey as an artist and keeps her authenticity intact. And so anyway, yeah. I, I really, really felt the loss of Loretta in many, many ways. As far as meeting her, when I went to Nashville to do the pre-record uh, soundtrack, to pre-record the soundtrack for Cole Manor's Daughter, that was produced by Owen Bradley, who was her uh, Loretta's original producer, as well as Patsy Klein's. Um, I uh, went to meet Loretta in this little office room, and I walked in. It was just me and her. And she said, well, you don't look like Patsy. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> but, but because I'd, I'd, I'd come up as a singer, and I'd sung in some bars with Ronnie Hawkins, and yeah. I had a kind of, you know, I knew that when I sang, I could get, I could get people's attention and make sure that they thought of me the way that I wanted to be thought of. Yeah. So I asked her if I could sing a song, but I was just a little bit too nervous. And so I turned around and I sang Walking After Midnight, Facing the Wall. And when I turned back to her, she said, well, sure, that'll do. (laughs) 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 That movie was great. The director was um, someone who had, this was his first scripted film. He'd been a documentary maker. So So what he did was... He kind of, you know, just created this environment where we were free to be and follow the script, of course. But it was a very free environment, and also because Loretta Lynn, Queen of Country, many, many people, uh, local people, came to visit that set. Willie Nelson, you know, all the outlaws. But, you know, a lot of people would drop by yeah. just to see what was going on. It was very nice, Re- really a lovely experience. And I'm very sad about Loretta Lynn passing. I really am. Yeah, and the fact that that was your own voice and you were doing the iconic. I mean, you talk about a big personality, a big voice, Patsy Cline, and then... I want to know something she wasn't at the time, because she'd faded from public memory by that time. Her last record had been released in 1962. Oh, okay. Wow. Hey, so she really wasn't in the, in, in the public eye. But, you know, Loretta, when she wrote The Coal Miner's Daughter... You know, she, Loretta was very loyal and devoted to the people that she loved, and that was Patsy Cline for her. Patsy Cline, even though they were around the same age, extended her hand and welcomed her to Nashville. And also at a time when women weren't nice to other women. Mm-hmm. But she really was a, her best friend and mentor and gone way too soon in Loretta's life and really left a hole. And Loretta's tribute to Patsy Cline in that film 
you know, was was an expression of Loretta's love, and I embodied that, and that, and the success of that film is really what got people's attention on Patsy Cline again. So she was not. So when I took that role on, I wasn't taking on the role of of someone that was in the public eye to that degree that she became. Beverly, I was kind of, and we're with Beverly D'Angelo, I was kind of stalking you on social media, Twitter. I did not know, and how does this secret remain a secret until you talked about it a couple of weeks ago? I mean, Vacation's been out how long? And then you revealed in an interview in social media that that wasn't the original ending of the movie. Right, it wasn't. How does that keep, how does that stay a secret for this long? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I noticed in the comments that somebody said they'd seen deleted scenes, and I never did. Um, I know that they screened them in, in like a test marketing kind of thing, but I doubt if they saved them. Hmm. Well, and, and so, I, yeah, tell everybody the ending if they haven't heard, because I, I just found out about this today. Well, yeah, my Instagram is official Beverly D'Angelo. That's the name of my okay. verified Instagram, and you can see the photo there. But the original ending was that we go to Wally World and we don't get in. So uh, Clark goes and he buys a gun, and oh. we're like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And and gets a phone book, and we drive to to Roy Wally's house and hold him at gunpoint and force him and his uh, three employees to to sing and dance for us. <laughs> and, and then and then we then we cut to we're on an airplane flying back to Chicago and we crash that high tower in Chicago the the radio. Sears Tower or Hancock yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and then a, but a few months after that after they edited it and screened it and stuff uh, the producer Maddie Simmons said we gotta do a new ending I said why and he said we need something darker so <laughs> <laughs> so ah uh. uh, so then we picked it up where, you know, we go all the way through to running up to the place, finding it's closed, um, and he goes off and gets a um, yeah. gun. Uh, but here's, and then we go into the park, you know, holding John Candy. But the tell is this. If you look at Anthony Michael Hall running in the parking lot up to Wally World and look at his height, and then you look at him when we're on the rides and and held up, you know, and have our hands up over our head, uh-huh. you'll see that he grew about seven or eight months' worth. Wow, that's amazing. Well, Beverly, we want to check out the Good House in theaters. Thanks for thanks for the time. We really appreciate we'll it. We'll see you at the Chefinette, Beverly. Hey, I'll be there. Chefinette, Coke and, vanilla Coke and fries. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.